Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CE curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Hi, today we're going to talk about clinical validated tools used to monitor response to the treatment of idiopathic hypersomnia. I'm Dr. Alcibiades Rodriguez, a neurologist and sleep specialist from the NYU Grossman School of Medicine, accompanied by my colleague, Matt Davis. Uh, hi, I'm Matt Davis. I'm a neurologist and sleep specialist uh, in uh, solo practice in New Jersey. Okay, great. So today we're going to talk a little bit about how we evaluate patients with IH. Uh, Matt, let, let's start. How, how you evaluate a patient with hepatic hypersomnia with excessive time and sleeping? Yeah, you know, I think this is actually a really important topic because, uh, and I think you and I are, on our previous conversations are all are often on the same page about such things, that, you know, we have some validated measures, but, but some are underused and some um, kind of miss the big picture a little bit. You know, so we use the Epworth, of course, both in... Uh, initially diagnosing, but also gauging response. But uh, a lot of us believe that the Epworth might be missing some key information and is kind of just asking the same question uh, eight different ways. Um, so, you know, I, I definitely like to get a bigger picture of what's going on with with patients, both initially and and uh, as they're being treated. Right. Like uh, everybody else, we start with the clinical history, trying to get some information. The Edward we do a standard in all our practices and it, it gives you an idea, a subjective idea of a sexy day's time and sleepiness. For idiopathic hypersomnia, now we have a newer scale, if we can call it that way, called the idiopathic hypersomnia severity scale that not only measures sleepiness, but also measures other symptoms related to idiopathic hypersomnia, like sleep inertia and some issue with cognition, memory, and attention. What do you think, man? I, I actually agree. You know, I think this wasn't a scale that I was particularly familiar with until fairly, you know, within the past year or two, I've become more familiar with it and have actually started using it more. Um, you know, one of the the key things, again, that I think the Epworth misses is th these larger questions of how does your degree of sleepiness affect your quality of life in other ways? What what sorts of things are you missing out on? What are you not able to do uh, because of your sleepiness? How is it affecting your academics? How is it affecting your ability to drive? These are things that are not necessarily um, uh, encompassed by just the Epworth, which again, has a role to play. So I've been using it more and I definitely have patients who have classic symptoms of idiopathic hypersomnia that have kind of borderline threshold Epworth numbers, but flagrantly abnormal IHSS numbers. So certainly not saying to use it for every patient, um, but a as a measure of some of the symptoms specific to IH and those symptoms that are often overlooked in the Epworth, uh, more quality of life measures, et cetera. I, I actually think it's a great it's a great tool. But you know, like you said initially, the first thing is really just talking to the patient. No 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 scale is ever going to take the place of having a conversation, right? Um, and that, that's that's step one certainly. So that's correct. And the issue is. It in a disease state like idiopathic hypersomnia that could be very difficult to elucidate sometimes because it may be related, a group of diseases actually together, narcolepsy type two, or the CNS hypersomnia, et cetera. Uh, sometimes we need further than the clinical interview that you may suspect, but the scale can help you give an idea, as you said, the burden of the disease, not just a sleepiness. So in diseases like this, that it could be difficult to clarify 
I think the use of validated scales will help us a little bit go further. And once we make the diagnosis for a follow-up, right? Because the elbow can vary here and there, but this scale goes further, as we mentioned, how the patient feels. So also it's a tool to follow the treatment response. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and I also find that, you know, again, if not administering the scale specifically, but at least getting at those types of questions when talking to the patient, you know, will even give the patient sometimes a little more insight into, you know, how is this this hypersomnia problem affecting my life in ways that maybe they haven't thought about um, and, and just gives them a better insight into their own um, difficulties or their own successes with with the treatment. Yeah, I completely That's agree. That's correct. And we take it from there, the clinical history, validated the scales and how to follow them. I think that's the take home message that we have today. And with that, we close today. Hopefully everybody learned something. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME LLC, and is part of our Minute CE curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.